Welcome, 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 everyone. I am your host, Marcia Guerrier. Welcome to our first salon talk of 2021 and our first real ever salon talk, right? Uh, that we are now coming to you live in our members only group, Her Sweet Spot members only on Facebook. And we hope that if you are here catching us live, that you would chime in and talk to us in the chat, ask questions, but we're really here to have a conversation with today's guest, which I'm, I, I couldn't be more excited to have this conversation with you today, Mita. We are here talking to Mita, and I always want to say it right, because I feel like I know it, Malik. A Malik. But Malik, because I okay, because I'm used to saying Malik, right? And I, thank you so much. So you asked Malik. important. You asked. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I with a name like Marsha Guerriere, you 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 tend to understand yeah. the troubles of people, you know, butchering your name. So yeah. I just want to um give the folks a little bit about you and then we'll proceed with today's sure. conversation. So Mina is the head of inclusion, equity, and impact at Carta. Uh, Mita has spent over 15 years, I said over, but it says 15, but over 15 years as a storyteller, leading iconic brands like Aveeno, Avon Color Cosmetics, Chapstick, Vaseline, Suave, and Dove. Throughout her career, she has fought hard to ensure people like her are included, ensuring black and brown people were represented in campaigns, ensuring products were created for all skin tones, ensuring we were not reinforcing stereotypes. And if you're not following Mina on social media, primarily on LinkedIn, where she shares all her conversations and the stories that she tell, you should be uh, right now head over to LinkedIn after after today's talk. We we won't we won't be too long. Right. So make sure you guys are sharing um, your comments. You can't share because we are actually in our private group. But Mita, welcome to tonight's uh, first salon talk. I'm so excited to have you here. Well thank you for having me. I was delighted to get the invitation and, and have the conversation. It's such a pleasure. You were a wonderful panelists at this year's, last year's Her Rise Conference. And I just wanted to have a conversation and dig a little deep, deeper because I, I am a fan of all your work and your writing and you share some of the most um, thought provoking content on LinkedIn and, and I find it to be refreshing and or thought provoking for me. So I, I'm so happy to have you as today's guest. Oh, thank you for that. Thank you. You're welcome. My pleasure. So we're going to get right in. So these salon talks, you know, this is our first one. So they're meant to be conversation-like and they're meant to be uh, really a way to um, speak on a topic and, and support women and share your story as well. So talking about uh, who you are and what you do, and we talked about a lot of brands, but that what, that is not the place you're at now. So you transition in the pandemic time from Unilever, yeah. working with all those iconic brands that we mentioned. And how was it transitioning from a major role at Unilever to now a major role at another company, which is completely, totally different in, in yeah. a whole other sector? 
Yeah, I mean, no, I think that's a great question. No one thinks they're going to change jobs in a global pandemic. None of us thought we'd be living through a global pandemic in our in our lifetime. I think the biggest insight for me when I was at Unilever, I did a lot of amazing work there. I was very proud of the work we had done together, both on the workforce side, but also on the brand side. So this idea that diversity of thought doesn't happen without diversity of representation and who gets to sit around the table and who's heard, but how are your products and services showing up in the marketplace? And I think more and more you're seeing that, especially people who are leading inclusion and companies are really thinking about that entire ecosystem. Yeah. And I had a VP once at Avon tell me, when you're comfortable, it's time to get uncomfortable. And the truth is I was really comfortable at Unilever. I'd been there seven years, I'd been in this role four and a half years and I probably could have been a lifer as they say. And yeah. I just decided that this was the time to move and, and take a risk and to do something in a very different space and to do something at smaller scale. So my background is, as you mentioned, I'm a big company person. I've worked at a lot of big companies, but I wanted to show, I guess, myself in the world that I could work in startup, work in fintech, work work for a company that's 900 people versus 103,000 people and yeah. work in a company where we're thinking about inclusion from a different lens. Um, we run table stakes every year, just to plug. I, I wrote a piece on LinkedIn, but you can also go to carta.com and look at this. We are all about equity ownership. And so what I think is really fascinating is we talk a lot about base compensation and the discrepancy between let's say men and women. For every dollar a man makes, it's 81 cents for a woman. And we know that drops really drastically when you look at interse intersectionality, right? Yeah. And that's 81 cents for let's say white women. And then no one really talks about equity and the, the wealth creation that's happening out of Silicon Valley. And in our table stakes report, because we have over 15,000 customers, the data to me was um, really astonishing. A dollar for a white man in equity is 47 cents for a woman. And so that's why a woman of color. It's yeah, even yeah, yeah. Again, just starting with again intersectionality that drops, and so that's why I decided to make the move. But it was not easy, and it's one of those things where I think when you take, you know, a risk, there's hopefully more reward at the end of it. Now, I, I, I'm a woman in fintech. I don't talk about it a lot, and I hope to change that aspect of who I am as I enter into um, owning my genius in the marketplace. Right. Yeah. Yes. And so how is it really transitioning from a brand such as Unilever now now looking in fintech and looking at, you know, because I've been here for so long, I know that there is much work to be done in diversity and inclusion. How are you um, thinking about ways to improve or advance in, yeah. in that space and in that market? I think it's incredibly exciting, which is one of the reasons I took the role. I get to report directly into the CEO and work with the C-suite and work very closely with the chief people officer and the people team. But when you're at a large organization, there's many great things about large organizations. Some of the best, greatest American institutions were like founded in the 1800s. And there's so much scale and impact you can make with these amazing brands. Like you think mm -hmm. about Dove and Suave and Vesely, but it's really hard because it's like moving a boulder up a mountain. like you have to almost dismantle all these processes and reimagine things that have been there yeah. for decades and decades and decades. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the area of opportunity. And coming here, while there's a lot of work to do, with any company that's scaling, you get to be a part of building that. Yeah. 
And so it's so exciting to be here and be building with everyone all of the things that, you know, a, a startup is going through that a hundred thousand person company already has in place. So that's, that's what's really exciting. Well, I thank you and commend you for entering into our space and into, into my space. And now you're part of my space. Yes. Because companies and startups like Carta, they are really going to help push the needle with the advances that they're doing with the rest of the industry, right? Sometimes the smaller companies advance sooner than the larger companies because of the red tape that's behind every big company, right? So I'm excited for that. Yeah. I'm excited for what, what you will bring um, to the marketplace. So I would like to any of the women and men who have joined us today, all individuals listening is like, you know, really think about in your career, if you're comfortable right now, and I know it's a hard time, we're all on our own journey in this pandemic, but think about taking a different road, different turn, you know, and your trajectory will just be different and your skill set will be different. I left Unilever, all my relatives, I was joking, thought I was going to Cartier. <laughs> my no, it's Carter, it's FinTech. But also, we also start to think about what will people think about us? I'm moving this huge company, this huge platform, this huge brand, and to stop worrying what everyone else is thinking and do what you think you need to do for your career and where you need to really um, push yourself and build different skills. And I love what you said. When you're uncomfortable, it's time to get, I mean, when you're comfortable, it's time to get uncomfortable. I, I'm going to write that. If y'all out there, I see Erica <laughs> on see Kim on. Um, if you're out there, please say hello. Let us know who is who exactly is on today. But really, that that is a, a gem that you just dropped on us today. So I want to transition because, you know, these talks are not supposed to be like real long, but it's also supposed to be the women in our community and men, because we have both men and women in our community. They are uh, like you, like me, working a nine to five, representing their corporation, yet um, building their own personal brand. Hey, Marjorie, um, thanks for, for joining us this evening. Building their personal brands and you are able to do that comfortably and in the open, you know, it, it, it's not, I don't know a lot of people that are side hustlers, pa passion um, pursuers that do it so publicly. How have you been able to really excel in your personal career as a storyteller and writer for, I, I will say, some major publications, entrepreneur, um, I think Forbes, and, and the list goes on and on because yeah. I, I read them all. And then you're, you've been highlighted on LinkedIn for your articles, which is still so amazing. Um, how, how do you, how did you get comfortable with allowing yourself to be public about your side passion? Yeah. Well, I storytell the things I know, and I feel like now I'm in a position where it's my responsibility to share some of the more painful things that have happened in my life. And our stories are constantly being rewritten. We're constantly going on different journeys. Yeah. My dad suddenly, it'll be four years ago, Valentine's Day, one of the hardest things I've been through in my life, and suddenly my story shifted. Mm. As I have still grieving him, I decided it was time to write a piece, and I was really fortunate that Harvard Business Review picked it up. But talking about how the responsibility companies have to support uh, people who are grieving, yeah. we don't think about that. We don't think about also miscarriage and other losses that people are going through. And so, how did I get? So I think I got comfortable um, 
more and more over the years. I had a mentor say to me once, one of my first big public speaking gigs that I, for Unilever, I was very nervous. And he said to me, people wanna hear stories. They're not interested in rhetoric. They're not interested in policies. And he said to me, it's Jonathan Atwood, Marsha, who wrote oh, okay. our book that we were in on yeah. Sponsor Effect by Sylvia N. Hewlett, and he's one of my sponsors. People wanna hear stories, they wanna hear your truth. And that has always stuck with me, that I wanna share a piece of something I've experienced that hopefully someone will connect with and share the positive and what we can learn from that. And so it was with intention in my 20s, I was a failed novelist. I wrote a bunch of novels that never got published, but I was always passionate about writing from a, a, a young age. Okay. And I just decided in this pandemic, when you start to think about, you see all this um, loss and grief and suffering around you, I thought, what do I, what, what does my life mean? And like, what are the things that I wish I had done that I hadn't? And it was write more. And so that means I don't drink anymore. I stopped virtual happy hours. I'm not Netflixing and binging, although I did watch Bridgerton. I didn't binge it, but Ooh, yeah, I know making some of those choices, right. Of how we spend our time. And if I can do it, anyone can do it. I have a five and eight year old. We're in Jersey city and 1400 square feet with my husband. And we've been holding on strong for almost a year now. And so it's just about choices of what you want to spend your time on. And I write for 30 minutes every night. It's not always good and that's okay. But I think half of writing is discipline. So that's really about my storytelling and writing and then happy to chat about like about LinkedIn and how I do that with intentionality. But yeah, that would that would be great. Uh, we do have and I know a lot of people that including myself, it took me a while before I became comfortable sharing on LinkedIn that I that I have a side business that I have a nonprofit organization and, and I do other things other than my nine to five all day and all night. Right. In fintech many years ago like i said i've been here over 25 years you were you were attached to your back then blackberry and and, and right when 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 the blackberry came out it was like the worst thing because then we, we were working 24 hours so and, and you were look you kind of frowned upon if you had outside interests right especially for people of color we often are kind of the last to be to be promoted and the last to be given yeah. a raise and when when they see that you do you, you're good so we you're fine you didn't want it cuz you're good cuz you're out there doing things and uh, how so did you tell your boss did your was it something slowly did they catch on how did that so work? i started writing um for sway uh, Sway, S-W-A-A-Y, I have a column called, please don't, um, please don't ask me to smile. Please don't interrupt me. You, you get the, the theme. And it's much more personal and tongue in cheek, but I, I've been writing for like two years and it's a free platform. Anyone can go and sign up for an account um, and write. Okay. And then for God Boss and different publications, I would just write slowly. I will tell you though, as I was transitioning jobs and I was writing for Harvard Business Review and Business Insider and some other entrepreneur major publications, I did I did talk to my new boss and say, as we negotiated, which is also like all the things you can negotiate, I said, listen, I just want you to know I love to write. I'm passionate about writing and I always try to come from a lesson and a place of positivity. Mm -hmm. I want to make sure you're okay with that, that you know that I'm doing this. And he was like, I love to write too. And he's a fantastic writer. So I, I was very upfront about that. And also my desire to serve on a, a board. 
Yeah. And I said that to him, like a part of my career development as I grow here, I want to serve on a board. Not right away. I'm just new here. But he was like, yes, I'm like supportive. And so I think having those upfront conversations are really important. I also think um, with LinkedIn, you know, I am not, I guess I'm in a different position. I have lots of friends who are small business owners or are coaches. I am just somebody who is a champion in this space and cares deeply about this work. I want the world that I grew up in to be different for my children and all of our children. And so many of the things I post is just things I'm reading. Like this morning I posted about um, Dr. Maya Angelou being honored by Mattel and Barbie. And it actually got me thinking that I grew up with no brown or black dolls. And so you're both. No, and so that was, and I, I guess I, I, I just share my own thoughts and sometimes they resonate with people and sometimes they don't and that's okay. I write from what I feel like is the heart and things that are important to me. Uh, for me, I think that's when probably it strikes a chord versus like, let me write a post that I think will go viral. That I think everybody from her eyes salon talks will like, that's not, I just, you know, I just write what, I, what I'm reading and I read a lot. I don't read books. The last book I read was probably Peppa Pig. Really? But I read a lot of short form because mm -hmm. I don't have time to read books, but I'll, I'll, I'll like read a lot of articles. And so that's my, um, that's my advice is just to start creating content and go out there passionately. You don't have to write articles like I do because everyone has their strong suit. Your strong suit is public speaking and curating and being a connector. I'm more about the written form. And so just whatever it is, however you can do it, whether it's seeing that Marsha posted something and I want to engage or comment on it and or an article I read and I want to summarize and share it. I mean, there's very simple um, ways to do that. And I would tell you, it doesn't take me a lot of time because I've been on this journey for about four years with LinkedIn. Right. It's not like it happened overnight. I just consistently do it because I enjoy it. As consistency, well. consistency. We hear that a lot. Uh, we have a few more folks uh, joining us. Dr. Shelley's here. Chris is here. Narice is here. Uh, thank you guys so much. Erica asks, what are your strategies for seeking and getting opportunities to publish on the different sites? Great question. So one of the things I would say is how I started getting noticed is writing LinkedIn blog posts. So I think I didn't become an entrepreneur contributor overnight. I actually tried to become a Forbes contributor, if Forbes is out there, two years in a row and they rejected me. They keep rejecting me, right? That's okay, yeah. right? Um, so I, I just think like you have to start, if you want to get noticed by publications, I think you also have to start writing because they'll look you up and they'll see. And it's not that they want to see that you're published somewhere else. They just want to see like what sort of content are you writing about? And I also think when you're writing content, I always write to, like to write something personal, but like, what are the lessons learned? Like mm -hmm. what could have been done differently here or what would I advise people to do? Um, so that's how I would, I would start. And so do you recommend then to, as a writer, cause, cause I have a blog on her sweet spot yeah. and I, I've been advised to write for other uh, publications, but I don't. <laughs> but so would you recommend to start with like put the blog to the side and do contributing work. I know Thrive, like you mentioned, Quay, there's Thrive Global and um, a couple of uh, medium that people use. You don't have to buy the subscription or you know the, the um, buy into the levels, but you could just write articles there. Yeah, I think you have to also decide like what is your content match? Like sort of map the areas of what you like to write about. I mm -hmm. like 
write a lot about, we'll talk about this, I know, about being a working mother in this pandemic. And so Working Mother Media has been really supportive of my work and I've been writing for them consistently, but that's really in the working mother space, right? I have another space where I write about uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And then I sort of think about who would be interested. You know, I was, I've been trying to be published in Harvard Business Review for a while and I kept studying sort of how they wrote the articles and what caught their eye. And I was inspired to write a piece, which is the first piece they published called, Do You Know Why You Need a Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer? Because mm -hmm. I have so many companies, like if you look at LinkedIn over the last five years, 75% increase in diversity roles. Yeah. Chief diversity. And then I was getting calls for roles, which were like three levels below the CEO, not paying for the value that they wanted. And so I was like, I need to write something about this. And it was just a unique take. And they loved it and that one hit. But I also, and then there's also a piece of like, the sway is more of like my personal sort of bias I face in my career and wanting to talk about it. But I think also like studying some of the publications and trying to think about like, what's the content that you uniquely bring and what publications would be a match for it. Right, I love Thrive Global because they actually send you cues. Like they send you emails. I'm a member and I haven't written yet, but they send you emails on topics you could write and they, they kind of help you with an outline. So if you, you want to start contributing somewhere, um, go look at Thrive Global because they actually help you in your process in, in becoming a writer and, and telling uh, and storytelling. Uh, so that leads me to the next and the biggest part of our topic. So our topic today was really talking about burnout and you yeah. know all the things that you do. So you mentioned quite a few things in um, in your storytelling passion, life, purpose. And you mentioned you write in different topics, right? You you speak about mom issues, you speak about DNI issues, DEI issues that you're very passionate about, and on the personal front. How are you able to do this? You have two kids, a husband. Do you have pets that you're taking? No pets. I said no to pets. No. <laughs> That's a whole nother person you take care of. Yeah. But let me just define burnout. So if anybody here on, on um, uh, burnout is a syndrome conceptualized as resulting from chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed. And that's just, I'm just gonna read half of it um, uh, for there because we can talk about it, define it even greater. But how, how do you manage all that you do? And have you ever throughout your journey experienced this burnout? Well, I think one of the things I should say is writing is therapy for me. So that's what I know. And if you go to uh, Working Mother Media and you look me up, it's sort of, I kind of laugh now looking at it. It's sort of my pandemic journal. Oh, I love the whole, I think I became addicted to your writing throughout the journal. It's like all these stories about my children and things I was discovering about them and things I was like just having a hard time with. I'm going to be honest. I'm right now in a, I don't even know if this is a phrase. I'm in perpetual burnout. I think all working parents are, and I don't think we've defined that, but I know you're talking about workplace, but right now it's all integrated yeah. and I'm in perpetual burnout like, like this, because my village, my community has been ripped out from under me. So I, you know, it takes a village to raise our children. And all of a sudden the neighbors, the teachers, the friends, the relatives, everybody who would help is gone. And for a lot of years, I struggled with the fact growing up, um, 
you know, um, uh, parents who were um, immigrants from India who really struggled and did everything they could to bring my brother and, and, and I up and everything we have is because of them today. Like, I don't want a cleaning lady. Like I should be cleaning or a cleaning person. I should be cleaning my own place. But the reality is I recognize when I get to a certain point in my career, there are choices I have to make. Because if I'm gonna be working on a strategy deck for the board or the exec meeting, mm -hmm. there's only so many hours in the day, so I need help. But all that help for us is gone right now. And so I think that's what, and I know everyone's on their own journey in this pandemic, but speaking from my journey personally, as a working mother, it's, it's, it is difficult for so many of us. You just like, you don't even know how emotional you just got me with the perpetual burnout. Um, I'm a single mom and it's just Josh and I, and I thought it was just me. I'd be on a high and a low and a high and, and then I, I have been, I, you know, I tell people a lot, most of the guys on this call know that my son was um, diagnosed, not diagnosed, but he tested positive with COVID last week. And so we've been quarantined and thank God his symptoms have been one day. And so I thank God. And then I'm like, oh God, can you just sit down for a second? Yeah. <laughs> How old is your son? He's six. six. He's six. So it's been a, a heck of a week for me. And, but guess what? I let go of so much this week and I've been letting go a after I realized that I was in that perpetual state, like you mentioned, I, I, I just said, let go. I started to allow myself to not have to be the best or perfect or on time. And so I, I appreciate you for for stating that. And it's something I think needs to be examined and talked about more that because some of us can't stop, right? Some of us can't uh, um, let go of some of the things we have, but because then again, we, we won't have ourselves, right? Yeah. So these passion things that we're doing. So I thank you for, for mentioning that because um, that, that was important. And so writing is therapeutic for you how else, if, if our members are not writers, yeah. how else and what other strategies can you help? Um, because both men and women, it's not a men and women thing, but this year somehow highlighted more women and moms that were experiencing this um, burnout. But what's up, what are some strategies you could provide? I think rediscovering hobbies from your childhood or things that you were good at that you let go of. Writing is a piece of that for me. I used to paint a lot for many, many years. And all of a sudden, I'm painting and drawing now with my children. So because I have children, I don't have hobbies. <laughs> so my hobbies become my children's hobbies. But, you know, just drawing and coloring with them. Like, when was the last time I colored a book? Well, it was in the pandemic or drew something silly or watched a Disney movie with them. Right. Like, so those things of just being immersive and just being in the moment, we, my son, my daughter's five, my son is eight. And so on uh, Monday, yesterday, um, we spent the time um, watching different videos on YouTube of Martin Luther King Jr., including his um, I Dream speech. Mm -hmm. So just, you know, moments like that where um, we can just as a family just disconnect and like, you know, try to help them as they're young educate themselves. Yeah. In the history of our country and what we're going through now. Um, yeah. Those have been some of my things. I think also um, just being intentional about your schedule. 
I'm working for a company that's West Coast based and I'm in the East Coast. So making sure that um, being very, very visible and blocking my calendar six to 7.30 for dinner, tonight was a night I had told my husband ahead of time, like, you know, and negotiating, like, this is something important I want to do with Marsha. And then when someone asked me for a meeting at 7.30, I'm like, I can't do that. I've been on calls, video calls, which are exhausting since till 10. So just to block your own calendar, because no one's going to do it for you. People will try to find whatever space they can and not even realizing it. And you're like, oh my God, I've been on video calls all day. Right. And then I just collapse. And so, you know, just really taking an hour, taking half hour breaks and just shutting everything down. And I fold the laundry. <laughs> I might make a coffee. I might look out the window. Just anything to just decompress and detach myself from technology. Yeah. Erica says that she loves coloring and drawing with her kids and they are one and three. So it's it's really her drawing, <laughs> but it's very calming for her. And Marjorie said, I uh, do the same with my daughters. Coloring, it's relaxing. I tried it with Josh um, and it didn't work. <laughs> well, there's all sorts of things. We started playing, um, I never played Uno, Uno Trolls, Uno Harry Potter. I didn't know there was a whole series. So we played Uno. We discovered board games. We bought Mousetrap, which I wrote about. Who knew Mousetrap was so difficult to actually put together? So probably not the best <laughs> game board collection, but there's so many, you know, game boards or something else that we've been rediscovering as well together. We do have some some uh, members that are not parents, and they also feel this sense of burnout yeah, of course. Um, themselves, right? And I often say, especially in this new, new world of um, working at home for work, and for your business, and you still have one space, like you said, we're in those, you know, 1,000 square foot yeah. homes. Uh, my advice to them is always to step away. Yes. You know, we're, we are able to walk outside, yes. out, walk, and then come back yeah. and switch your mindset to, to, to how do you get in the zone? How do you switch yourself from all and compartmentalize your mindset in those different areas? I think going for walks is also something really important. I think, you know, we treat ourselves like Uber apps. I mean, I haven't taken an Uber since last March, but we're not machines that are on demand and we will at some point then crash and burn or just the app will start, lo won't load anymore. <laughs> like, it's just like, I think, you know, what I've noticed about myself too is the moments when I am more intentional and give my space time to recharge like I was back to back today, but I left the last meeting a half hour early because I wanted to show up and be present and engaged. And I knew I couldn't do that if I was like till the end, switching from that one meeting into our discussion. And oh. so I think the more you do it, the more you'll find that you're recharging yourself. Yes, I, I agree. I I tend to back to back book meetings and I, I burn out a lot. But what um, one thing I also did for myself this week, um, because in last week, is put in my calendar when to eat. <laughs> you wouldn't even imagine. Yeah. Um, yeah. The other thing I was going to add, I did early on, um, and I wrote about this in my column, Sway, is, uh, you know, please don't take away my commute time. What happened to my commute time? I missed the potholes. I used to drive an hour to work every day. 
And that time, as much as I was like complaining about the traffic and do my Starbucks stop and the rituals we had is gone. And so now all of a sudden, I'm like racing to maybe brush my hair, put a Zoom top on and roll up at yeah. 7.38. But when in reality, I wouldn't ever do that because I had the hour commute. So block that time in the morning and evenings. I mean, it's not an hour that I do, but it would be half hour. Right. I don't have to start at like 7.30 or 8 or whenever people want me to start. Right. Yes. You know, we could talk forever, but we do want to keep these, you know, we're I'm learning about the the the, the salon talks and we do want to keep them at a half an hour. So I really thank you for spending time with me and really just having this intimate conversation. I thank you guys for joining us this week for our first Horizon Salon Talk with uh Mita today. And it's you know, it's always great speaking with you and I appreciate you for what you're doing for us for people of color, even for black women specifically, because you do speak out a lot on our behalf and I appreciate you for that. And so if, again, if you guys are not following her on LinkedIn, please head over to LinkedIn, start following her, check out her articles. You can go to her page and you'll, you'll see posts and articles that she's posting and they're quite insightful. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye-bye for now, guys. Bye.